Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. All right. So this is Graham Brown, Asia Tech Podcast. We are in Singapore. I'm joined today by three special guests, three different types of entrepreneurs from different parts of the world. And uh, I want to share a little bit about their stories. And uh, I think for the listeners as well, it'll be interesting because it shows us different pathways to entrepreneurship. Sitting around the table with me in Platform E today, I have Aaron, Sabrina and Kyriakos. I'm going to ask you for a little bit of an introduction first, and then we'll dive in, talk a bit about your stories. And also, you know, your experiences of being an entrepreneur in Singapore. Yeah, it's never easy. I mean, a lot of people talk about Singapore as the place now for entrepreneurs, but it's not always been like that. And it's not always being a risk taker in a place like Singapore. So interested to get your opinions as well. Aaron, yes. sitting on my right. Welcome. Hey, hi. Aaron Cheng. Cheng, yes, Cheng. So, uh, in, in Singapore, it would be T. So, it's, uh, it's kind of weird. Your background is, you're saying off air that you, your parents came from Malaysia. Yes, uh, my parents were born in Malaysia. Uh, they, they uh, When they grew up, uh, after education, they actually decided to work in Singapore. And then after uh, you know, a couple of many years, they decided that this is uh, their home. Mm. Yeah. So... Um, my dad is a professor, a senior lecturer down in NUS for biochemistry. My mom is a remiser for the, uh, I can't remember, was it UOB? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they're quite traditional, yeah, yeah. professional yes. family. Yes. And you're, you're an entrepreneur? Yes, yes I am. Oh yeah. Were you the black sheep in the family? All the time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my parents actually wanted me to take the stable way. So they expect me to become like a doctor, a lawyer, you know, the, the, the right Asian way of doing things. Right. What, what is that right Asian way? I mean, Singaporeans will understand, but not all of our listeners are from Singapore. So what is the right Asian way? The right Asian way would be actually make stable income, preferably a, a large income, but uh, not true risk taking. So mm. basically like a, the, the conventional uh, easy way. So you have to become a doctor. You cannot become a specialist because you know what a specialist takes a lot of risk. You 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 have to become like a lawyer, but you don't have to specialize. It's it's, right. it's like you have to make money. That's it. Right. Yeah. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. So, what was that conversation like when you said that you were starting your own business? Uh, this is my first business. I actually started one uh, when I was a lot younger. Mm. Um, so the uh, what did they say? They would say like, yeah, we don't, um, my dad is a little bit, uh, traditional, um, although he doesn't admit it. Uh, so he would say that, uh, we don't have, uh, we don't have this, uh, fate, I think would, would probably uh, be it in uh, the proper fate. translation. Yeah. They say that we don't have this type of des- destiny or this type uh, of fate. What being an entrepreneur. Yeah. 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 They say That's that. That's really interesting. So you can't really argue with fate and your destiny. It's like yeah, yeah. So you're no, committed. We we just basically like uh yeah. Well, I'm doing it. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Changing the course of destiny. Okay, Erin, we'll come back to you in a minute. Sabrina, welcome. Hello. Hi there. So yep. Sabrina Wang. Yes. Yeah. So you you were born and bred in Singapore. Yes, I was born and bred in Singapore. Yeah. So this idea of fate. Has that ever sort of come up in your career choices? Have you been confronted with that? Fate. Um, not really a big believer. You don't have to be a believer, but have, have people around you been believers? or About fate? Yeah. And like, so this is your fate as a woman in Singapore. 
Um, that never really came oh. up, and if it did, I probably have ignored it because um, I think I make my own decisions yeah. in most things. Yeah. Have you always been an entrepreneur? Um, okay, that's quite interesting question here. And um, okay, so this this is a very interesting story that I have right now. Please mm, share. Okay, so my first vehicle that I bought was because I started a business and I didn't tell my mom. So for the longest period of time, she thought that red car was my my best friends. So, <laughs> wait, 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 what's the story here? So you started a business without telling your mum. You made some money, you bought a car with it and she thought it was your friends. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we have to go back to that. What was the business first? Okay, so my first business was actually um, apparel import and export. So um, there's this building called... Uh, city square city plaza so um, we actually sell this apparel we buy it from uh, china and then we actually sell it there to distribute mm. it out and uh, people actually p- purchase it for their um, stores like you know small stores around you know chinatown and stuff um, so i started it with a couple of friends and uh, i kind of like exited with a good amount and mm. i was actually 15 then so um, but back then i really 15. yeah i really liked um vehicles so i was like i i, I knew that i needed to uh, raise money so i tried initially i tried like going to like mcdonald's and stuff but they pay like 350 an hour mm. so that was quite pathetic so that's why you know I, I I kind of like convinced my older friends that you know might as well just do this and I I break down some numbers. So in total, we actually exited with a good amount, mm. uh, and I actually could make the down payment for my car. Wow! When I when you were fifteen, eighteen. So were there any people around you doing this? Doing this as in doing. Well, do, well being entrepreneurs or. Um, I think... Um, like from your friends when you I mean, from oh, your teens. With, my you friends think I'm good. Right. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's kind of common Right, for I mean, me. that's an interesting conversation, isn't it? Because that can turn off a lot of young people. Because they would rather be normal than weird and wealthy. Well, well the wealthy part is uh, kind of not really the point. At the right. I, I try not to have these conversations with any of my classmates or right. you know friends around. Because, um, you know, it goes into why are you doing this? And yeah. I'm like, because uh, I feel like it. And yeah. so I try to keep it to myself. Interesting. Yeah. Where's the car now? Um, so that was my first car. Right. And then after that, I had my second. And then, you know, I just sold the third. You just sold the third? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's an expensive place to have a car in Singapore as well. Uh, I was lucky then because there was like this $1 COE thing back then. So it's, it's, it wasn't as expensive right. as it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. But right now it's ridiculous. That's yeah. why I sold it and grab and, you know, uh, ride is awesome. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Sabrina, thanks a lot. We'll, we'll come back in a minute. Learn a bit more about that story as well as your thoughts on being weird. I, I mean, I, I say that as well because, <laughs> you know, as an entrepreneur as well, I've gone through that being weird and I've just accepted that's what it is and I am weird so I'm happy with it I live with it Kyriakos yes hi Graham yeah nice to have you here man and with a name like Kyriakos you you cannot be Singaporean (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know you don't look Singaporean you're cool I guess I don't know but uh, yeah I'm not Singaporean so it's Kyriakos Dariakos What's your second name? Uh, Kiriagos Zanikos. Zanikos, that's it, it. It yeah. rhymes, right? Yeah, 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 Zanikos. So, what's the story there? Well, yeah, um, I was born and raised in Greece. Um, 
I, I found myself in Singapore after doing a passing from uh, US, UK, Dubai, Switzerland. So Singapore wow. is the fifth country I have lived and uh, and work because you know I traveled the world uh, through my uh, through the work opportunities I, I got. Um, I'm not calling myself an entrepreneur yet, although I did start a business in Singapore uh, recently, uh, and we can talk about that and you know what's the experience there and how much I think it's a uh, Singapore helps a lot in in that space. Um, but yeah, I, I give that title quite a weight and quite a respect mm. for people who, you know, really have done it for a few years and they're making a living or they're changing something in the world. So um, part of why I started it, you know, I think I've been always a startup enthusiast and uh, like I said, had a lot of respect for people who are real entrepreneurs. See, so what's interesting about your story is you, you spent a, a lot of your career working for very traditional blue chip companies like JJ and yeah. Abbott Nutrition, I suppose. I mean, I know less about them, but Johnson & Johnson, I mean, there you go. I mean, how long were you there? Yeah, so pretty much all my career is in what you would call corporate. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, most of my career I spent in Johnson & Johnson Consumer, um, about six years. Mm. Um, the last four years I've been uh, with, uh, I was with uh, Abbott uh, Laboratories, mm. quite similar space. Um, and uh, yeah, before that I did, a, I had a few jobs in some smaller companies uh, in Greece. Before that, and that's probably my first and only entrepreneurial activity is that, you know, I grew up, um, I, as I was growing up, I was actually working with my dad to build his restaurant. So, you know, I grew up in a restaurant in Greece and I think the virus I carried over these years and the reason, you know, I always couldn't wait to get out of corporate and start my own business oh. is because I think... My first experience uh, in terms of the in terms of working was with my dad on our own restaurant, right. and uh, so what were you doing there? Were you like cleaning the dishes? Oh my God, and anything, anything you can imagine. Right, right, right. I've done everything you can imagine. Um, but what's more important, you know, when I think of that, um, is that my dad was um, brilliant on helping me think about what we should be doing in that business, right? So, you know, we make decisions together. He would ask my opinion about stuff. And it's nice to see that uh, element of, you know, you, you think about something, you make a decision, then you see it succeeding or failing. Yeah. Um, so, that's, so that's what, I mean, here's what I'm really interested in. I'm passionate about speaking to entrepreneurs. I know you don't call yourself an entrepreneur, but you are. You know, you're starting on that journey. And may, maybe you started many, many years ago with your dad. Is that where does the the seed that, that was planted in your head come from? You know, where does the that inspiration to become an entrepreneur come from? Because it's not natural. It's unless, you know, maybe your mum and dad were entrepreneurs and therefore it was what you did. Where did it come from? Aaron, what about yourself? Because your dad was a professor and your mum worked in a bank. You know, where did the entrepreneurship come Were you just a troublemaker or what? Oh, no, 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 no. I wouldn't say troublemaker. We, we I mean, um, it, it's it's kind of different. I mean, I mean like uh, like like Sabrina said, uh, when people look at us, they think we are weird. Uh, I would think that we actually know what we want in life, mm. uh, what we want to do, or what we are passionate about. Like for instance, I when I first had my first computer when I was young, which is actually really difficult. That it was really expensive for for a lot of families. So back in the nineteen eighties, nineties, early nineties, it's, it's very expensive. Uh, so we were lucky to actually have a computer. 
uh, when when I started using it, it was like, uh, and I was like, uh, you know what? I, I I like this. I like this a lot. I like uh, making electronic gadgets. I like mm. people who actually make them. Uh, make them. I admire them. So when I at that time it was IBM, and then subsequently, of course, Apple. Uh, Apple, sorry, Apple and IBM. Then of course, the subsequently was uh, was the NEC was really hot. Uh, then you have the, the the big companies, of course. Now some of them are gone, of course. Uh, and 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 it always always kept me thinking. You know what? I want to make stuff. Mm. Yeah. But making stuff and starting a business are not the same. No, no, no. So but, where did that come from? Yeah. So what happened is when you when you grow up, you start to actually uh, learn how Singapore is like, right? Then mm. then it, it it starts to actually make it a little bit different. So so for me, it's about making things in Singapore, uh, designing it, make, um, and then of course uh, orchestrating the assembly, the manufacture. It doesn't have to be in Singapore as long as it's a Singapore brand. Mm. Yeah. So, so as long as we try our best to actually keep it within Singapore, of course, um, and 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 grow up this culture. So mm. so if if it's not there, why not we go and make it there? Right. Yeah. So that's that's the in terms of the the ideal of uh, entrepreneurship, mm. I guess for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah yeah um, yeah and um, I mean I'm not uh, like you said uh, middle son so I'm the troublemaker. Uh, so I have yeah. an older brother. I have a younger brother. Um, my so younger you, brother. you were given a bit more freedom. Being the middle son. No, uh, I would say I would have because the use of thing is if you're Asian and you're like the firstborn, oh, yeah. there's an expectation, isn't there, about that you're going to be the doctor or in some cases run the family business. Maybe um, I wouldn't. I, I I don't know. Um, I mean, I I have to be like totally in my older brother's shoes in order to actually right. figure that out. Uh, usually, I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm but not that caring. There you go. I mean, it's interesting that you had that bandwidth early on. You went and started your own business, and I'm sure. Here's the interesting thing. I, I I'm speaking also on behalf of the listeners, and I pitch this to all of you now. Is that is it? People look at Singapore as a great place to start a business, but is it actually easy to start a business culturally? Is there a lot of resistance to entrepreneurship? Is it easy? I'm looking at you, Sabrina, being a woman as an entrepreneur. I know for you, it probably feels quite easy because it seems to be quite easy. You started so early, but around you, like the, some of the people you grew up with, do you think it was hard for them to be entrepreneurs, especially being women? Okay, that's a very good question. <laughs> uh, just to highlight, I didn't have licenses when I was 15, so right. there were people that I had to depend on to get the licenses. Right. Licenses for what? Like starting up the business itself, you know, the bank account. When you're 15, you cannot have a bank account. So I had to find people that are 21, 18 to actually do that. Right. So <laughs> Real yeah. grown-ups. 21 Real grown-ups. Um, well, Okay, I've heard a lot of stories about like um, how difficult it is. Although I don't have like first-hand experience, because mm. um, a lot of things that I find that is difficult, I'll just like push through. So right. it's natural to you. Yeah, because I like to do things that are different. Right. So, so when some people say, "Oh, it's really hard," how do you feel? Because it seems quite natural to you. Do you? I I think that. Empathize? everything has challenges yeah. so it's not supposed to be easy to no. begin with so when they say that it's very hard then I'm thinking yeah it's, it's not say that it's a breeze for me either it's, it's mm. still difficult but you just have to work through it and you know find a solution don't always think about the problems but 
find solutions for the problem itself, otherwise work around it. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you see these graduates coming out of university and they're saying, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur, and then, uh, you know, they have, they're 21 years old, 22 years old, they've never worked. You know, it, it, do you connect with those people? Do you think they've got a long way to go to sort of experience what you've experienced? Because mm. you, you've come from a very interesting way of doing it, haven't you? You've come through the school of hard knocks, so to speak. Um, it's a bit half-half. So when you're 21, you have, well, you can actually register a business. So, yeah. you know, legally, you know, you can, there's a lot of, uh, opportunity there mm. and plus you have your university network so there's a lot more like grants and stuff that you ha- can actually uh, and more mentors that you can actually mm. look look upon um, whether I can connect with them that's also um, I mm. guess I can and sometimes I cannot but I don't think uh, I don't have the opinion about um, like uh, you know that they have a long way to go because I believe that everybody's journey is different mm. so um, your starting point doesn't really define you know like nobody will have the exact same experience because that's like literally impossible mm. so um, I think people connect more on like what we are saying or what our interest is or you know like really more towards the bandwidth rather than you know the experiences although experiences do help in in, in a way or another mm. yeah so I guess I look at things a bit differently yeah you certainly do but I think that that's certainly an advantage right um, it has to be advantage and disadvantage right. so uh, the advantage would be that you know I get not depressed that much I suppose because <laughs> they say I mean my partner say I don't really get depressed I get raged but you know enraged right, right. more than depressed um, but I guess the disadvantage is sometimes I feel like I don't, I, I can't empathize with people as much because I don't exactly see at that point, their point of view. Um, I try, but I don't exactly 100% understand where they're coming from because mm. I have a lot of people coming to me telling me that, you know, like, you know, uh, you know it's so difficult, you know, I'm, I'm a girl and, you know, they, they keep giving me problems. I'm like, shouldn't you actually have an advantage because you are a girl so people actually open doors for you and mm. you know they kind of help you carry your bags I thought we have a lot more advantages right. in that aspect I'm glad you're saying this because I mean I'm not allowed to say all these things oh, right yeah. so you're qualified I mean if I said this I'll be shot down oh I see yeah oh shit no, yeah. I feel as if well, I it's interesting isn't it because you know here's the thing like there are Okay, we're not talking particularly about women, but you know, entrepreneurship in general is—it's tough, right? And I think you, I think the toughest part is not necessarily the knocks that you get when you're doing it, and it's up and down and so on, but trying to deal with the rejection or criticism from people around you is the toughest part. And sometimes the voices in your head, you know, because I've dealt with that, is and I, all the entrepreneurs I speak to come on. Edge Tech Podcast deal with it in their own different way. You know, they all have different ways of dealing with it. You all face doubt because, you know, if, if you have a very comfortable career, there's not so much doubt is there because you know Monday morning when you turn up, everything's going to be like it was the week before and you're still going to get paid at the end of the month. But when you're an entrepreneur, it's like, fuck, I don't know if I'm going to get paid this month. And you, that never goes away. You know, even if you're earning millions, it's, I don't know if things are going to change this month. You're always going to have that uncertainty. And when I was starting out in business, I always kind of thought, well, someday it's going to get better and better and better. And, you know, everything's going to be mapped out for me. 
but all that's happened is it's just got more and more extreme you know like the, the highs are high but you sort of cap the, the downside a little bit better but the uncertainty never goes away and I've kind of learned to live with it and enjoy it in a way but I think that's the toughest part isn't it because people around you just don't get it you know what the hell are you doing like why didn't you go back to your career and you know, stay, stick with that sort of safe job and so on I'm just curious about how you've dealt with all of that because you know the listeners would listen to this and think oh shit you know that's me how do I deal with it what's the answer there's no real answer I think everybody actually takes a different path uh, when they take on the entrepreneur uh, or their mission their life mission yeah. their life goal um, look well um <clears throat> How, how do you put it this way? Uh, sorry, how do you... How, like, how, how do you do it? Uh, you, you, you have to find something that you are really passionate about, that you believe in, right? Uh, everybody else believes in something different. So you, you can't expect them to actually go like, yeah, you know, a good job, you know, unless, mm. of course, there's actually a result that is actually showing, showing up. Uh, they usually will just tell you, oh, I don't see it. Uh, you know, it's, it's so difficult. Uh, and stuff like that. And the people around you always do this. Um, it, it, it is normal. If, if everybody actually thinks like, you know what, I'm going to push right through it. I'm going to like, try really hard and make it succeed. then everybody will be an entrepreneur. And then, and, and of course that would be fantastic in a good, good sense in mm. a perfect world. Uh, you know, everybody's actually, you know, making new stuff, uh, trying new frontiers, but that, that, that that's impossible because you need, uh, different types of people, uh, potato patch theory and stuff like that. Yeah. But, mm. but yeah, you get the idea. Um, Try, try, uh, you, okay, um, it, it, it is it, one of the weird things in my life when I grew up, right? It's like, uh, like uh, even I, I believe most people would actually have this. It's like uh, you ask them, what do you want to do? What do you want to do in life? Mm. What do you see yourself when you're actually grown up, right? And then uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I find that you know what? Um, I, can, I, I, I know what I want. Uh, I, I've known since I was like eight or, or even right. six even. But uh, when you ask this same question, even when you're a kid to your classmates or your friends or your, or your neighbors, it doesn't matter how old they were. They could be like eight years old, all the way up to like even 40. You ask them, you know, what do you want in life? What do you want to do in life? They, or, or what do you believe is your calling? And then most people can't answer this. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So when, when, when you were eight years old and you asked that, what did you say? Me? I said I want to do computer stuff. I want to uh, do a lot of electronic. Anything that runs on electricity, I want to have my hands on it. Right. Yeah. And w did your classmates think, cool, or did they think you were weird? Or? Yeah, they, they just think like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you're weird. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I mean, in Singapore, when people ask that question, what do, what do people, how do people answer it? What are sort of typical, you know, answers when they ask eight-year-olds what they want to be when they grow up? Because it, it was in England, for example. I don't know how it is in Greece. Please chime in. But... I think a lot of the answers would be like, I want to be a footballer. Uh, I want to, something with a uniform, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, something like that. Or And the girls are usually kind of sort of traditional things, you know, like I want to be hairdresser or something like that. It's like, come on, you can do better than that. No, not, not, not in Singapore. I, mean, I don't think if you ask anyone, like, oh, what do you want to be, like a soccer star or right, like something. Right, no, right. they would tell you something much more like, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a right. lawyer. I want to be a teacher, right? Occasionally. Lawyer. Lawyer. Is lawyer like the, the pinnacle of achievement? Is that you, your mom and dad would be proud of you if you were a lawyer? Yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, until they see our lawyers. <laughs> I have a lot of lawyer friends who listen to this. Oh, I'm sorry. But, yeah, but uh, when, when you have a lawyer, it's actually different. They realize that it's actually a lot more hard work. Right, right, There's right. a, a lot yeah. more documentations than you actually believe. Yeah. So, so, I mean, everything actually has their own difficulty. Um, 
for me, I believe is like this. Why don't you first try it, mm. right? Before you just say it's difficult. If you always say it's difficult, you won't even start doing anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think that's the most difficult thing is to actually for you guys uh, for 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 people is to actually overcome this fear of not even trying. Mm. Yeah. And mm. and and try it first. Yeah. yeah, it's so cheap to just register a company. It's so easy to actually just like uh, come up with a business plan. Um, you don't have to, it, it doesn't have to be like a, a full-time thing. You know, mm. a, a, it depends on what type of business you're actually planning to do. You don't have to actually take the same risk as I do. I go like, yeah, you know what? I'm giving up everything and then I'm going to throw every single cent I got into this. And then right, uh, you right. know what? I'm going to pray that it works this time as well. <laughs> You know, then and 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 of course sometimes it doesn't happen. So basically, you're broke. Uh, you know, you really, really, you know, people actually avoid you like the plague. Mm. And then of course sometimes you're really good. Uh, I mean, if you if it, it it really depends, like how you you what type of business you are, whether you are, how you actually uh, go through with it. Uh, and it is always about taking risk. Mm. Yeah, you cannot avoid this. Um, the Aaron and, and Sabrina, you're, you're sort of I would call more of the the hustler type entrepreneur, which for me is like the the type of entrepreneur who less celebrated, but is the real entrepreneur in the sense that you went out, you got shit done, and you went through a lot of like you know it wasn't easy to get it done right but you went out and you're like true entrepreneurs and a lot of it is based by making stuff and selling stuff right that's the sort of the basis of entrepreneurism Kyriakos now you I want to turn that over to you because you I, I think for you again it's like there's this type of entrepreneur which is not often talked about which is people who come out of corporate life and often on the wrong side of 35 can I say I don't know how old you are, man. <laughs> 35. 35. Oh, that's a good guess. Yeah, good guess. So, you know, we sort of look at the, the news and it's like, you know, 19-year-old kids and Stanford College or coming out of Harvard and, you know, they're, they're raising like 50 million just with, you know, a pair of shorts and sandals. And for, for you, it's a bit different, isn't it? Because you've left quite a comfortable existence yeah so what was it like for you yeah i mean i think everyone is different right um there's no right or wrong in this mm. uh, in this life so i think you have the type of people like aaron sabrina that were just born for that and they wouldn't think anything else and mm. they go for it right and then um you have type of people who you know might want to change the course of life or their, their career whatever that is and they decide that's a space they want to start experiencing mm. um I don't know. There's no right or wrong. In fact, you know, when you start talking about younger audiences and younger kids, I think there's a certain level of responsibility. Um, we all have to not necessarily push our own um, worldview on them, right? You know, because um, I've been in corporate for a few years, but actually been very close to the startup ecosystem, you know, have seen a lot of pitches. Uh Sometimes you see all those young kids and you kind of feel they just came into that because someone told them it's right. cool. It's and a bit like a career choice, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit like I'm just going to be an entrepreneur because, I don't know, I can. And So there's no real drive, uh, you can say, mm. sometimes. Um, or, you know, you see people who are actually coming in, They you know, you ask them what's your vision. They don't really have a vision, but they're actually going to end up having an amazing business just because, I don't know, they're good operators or they... They know what they're doing um, and, you know, they just chose instead of going to an office nine to five, which is called corporate, they'll do the same for a different type of business. Uh, mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, I think there are very, you know, a lot of different ways to get into that. Yeah. Um, but when you sit with Sabrina and Aaron here, when you hear their stories, for example, what what does that sort of do for you in terms of impression upon you? I'm fascinated. I mean, they, they come here with uh, with evidence, right? I mean, mm. they're not the 19 year old saying I'm going to change the world. Uh, you know, they they've been uh, a bit older than 19, I suppose, right? <laughs> a lot <laughs> a little a little um, so you know I, I hear their story yeah I, I truly believe into it and it's fascinating mm. um, I'm not jealous of that you know if that's uh, one way to, to put it like um, but I'm curious as well I mean, from, from your background as well there's a lot of people a lot of people you grew up with who you trained with who are still in the corporate world who may be looking at you you know, and maybe listen to this podcast and thinking, oh, I would like to do that. Is, is that an easy process, sort of, you know, leaving it Johnson & Johnson's when you've got that 20 years of experience and doing what you're doing? Yeah, it's not easy. So, um, you know, if you, flip, if you flip it a bit, um, I mean, that's the only reason I haven't done it yet, you know, because like I said, I always had a bit of a virus. I, I thought about it a million times. Mm. I, I woke up mornings, I was like, that's it, I quit. I start my own thing and... You know, is that how it works? How, how did it actually happen? Well, how it actually happened is that, you know, at some point everything came together very nicely. I think the fact I was in Singapore, you know, mm. um, uh, the fact maybe, you know, I'm turning at an age and, you know, I, I look back and I have a very good career and it kind of gives me a bit of a safety nest to say, mm. hey, I'll try something new and if it doesn't work, maybe I can uh, I can still go back to that, right? So mm. I had to create a bit of a safety uh, nest for that. Um, I don't know. It, it, my advice would be, you know, uh, if you want to do that, um, try try to assess when the right time comes. You know, you will know. Like I, since I took that decision a few months ago, I haven't looked back and mm. I feel very good. I don't have a lot of experience having people telling me, you know, teasing me about it, maybe the way you guys, uh, you know, had. Uh, I'm still in a honeymoon period, so everyone is excited <laughs> about this, right? Everyone's like, oh, that's very cool. Um, I know I will get into some, you know, tougher days at some point, some mm. extremes. Um, but what I also know is that I, it's, it's been so long, I tried to to push myself to do it and I haven't. Um, and maybe it was for a reason, you know, maybe it was not the right time. Mm. Uh, and that's why I didn't do it. Like, it really felt like stars came together uh, here in Singapore at this point in time yeah, uh, with, the, with the idea I had in my head. Uh, what, was, what, what was it actually like day one when you woke up that Monday morning and you didn't have to go to the office like you did before. What was that feel? Because you, you, what you're 35, so you would have had at least I don't know 12, 13 years experience. Yeah, yeah. So waking up and then that was all different. I, I'm curious to know what that experience yeah. was like. That's that's the most interesting part for you know for a profile like mine. Like uh, you have to get used to all these things you didn't thought through too, mm -hmm. so well about you. Like you say, uh, there's no office right in the beginning. You're like, okay, so I woke up so. There's no one chasing you. You have to chase your own self, you know, so you have to get into a different mode uh, uh, of operating. Um, there's not going to be a check at the end of the month. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm being obsessive now on checking my finances, you know. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's very it's very interesting. At the same time, it's exciting because you, you do feel a, a level of freedom as well, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Uh, it, 
all these things everyone kind of knows and understand. Um, what, what was it like when you started and you, when you were, you know, you had quite senior positions, what, everything would have been done for you. Like, for example, if your, if your computer broke, the guy would have turned up and replaced it. Yeah. What was it like now having to do everything yourself? You know what's the most difficult thing? No. Trying to set up my calendar. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds a bit, uh, maybe arrogant, but, uh, yeah, like simple stuff like that. Like, uh, yeah. Usually corporate, someone would even take care of your calendar, you know, might bring the, your, your day, uh, you know, bring it yeah. to your office. Uh, um, I, I, that, that's one of the things I'm like, oh my God, I need someone just to do my calendar. Right, right. Try learning. <laughs> Google I'm calendar. Learning, I'm learning, yeah. yeah. Um, but Sabrina, with yourself, I mean, you, have, you, have you ever had a corporate job or have you always been an entrepreneur? I actually had a corporate job. Right, right. Yeah, um, I I was with this company uh, under NEC, oh. um, and we deal mainly with uh, SAP. Okay. So uh, basically, I I'm the regional um, marketing mm. um, for um, doing SAP and Flex Process, which is under NEC. Yeah. Okay. So you know that world a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because what I was interested in, you've just started a new business, right? Yes. Uh, how long How long has that been in there? Um, this new startup is eight weeks old. Oh, eight weeks. Oh. Yeah, it's really, really new. So your career questions, how many is yours? When did you start yours? Um, couple months. Oh, yeah. it's the same. So congratulations, both of you. You're very early into your new startup. But with, with your business, do you, I know you already have people working with you. I mean, are you one of these sort of entrepreneurs who gets your hands really dirty? Do you do all the stuff yourself or you're quite quick to outsource stuff, delegate stuff? Um, a bit of both. Yeah. So I'll get whatever that needs to be done uh, fast, yeah. fast. And I things that has a bit more lead time, I'll source it out. Right. Yeah. So yeah. What, what sort of things? Because uh, one of the things I've struggled with in my entrepreneurial career, and it's always one of those things you've got to learn, is that there comes a point when you have to let go of certain things. And I'm finding being an entrepreneur, I want to do everything. You know, it's just, I love doing, it's like, you know, going back to the, the restaurant analogy, like your dad would have done everything, probably at one stage, like emptying all the rubbish. And they would have done everything. They would have had all those skills. But there's a comes a point when you have to sort of say, okay, right, I've got to hand that off to somebody. But it's difficult because you, you, being an entrepreneur, A, you get things done really fast. So if you give it to somebody else, it slows down naturally because you have to tell them what to do and so on. So that's one thing I've always struggled with. Is, is that sort of come naturally to you? Or? So that's the thing here. Okay, so being um, previously an entrepreneur, then going to corporate, mm. I have a balance of both lives in that sense. So I know for a fact that if I keep doing everything myself, I will burn out. Mm. So hence why I rather train someone to do certain things that I have more lead time for just so that um, if one day I'm down, like I'm sick, I, I know for a fact that things will still move right. forward. So, yeah. yeah. Are you good at delegating now? Um, I would say about maybe 8 upon 10. <laughs> Work in progress. That's pretty Work good. Work in progress. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yourself, Erin, because I mean, your business must involve lots of moving parts because you're actually making physical Smartphones, right? Yes, we're making, uh, we make smartphones uh, yeah. for, uh, mainly for Singap uh, Singapore military, uh, the red zones. Right. 
but that must require suppliers, distributors, engineers, all kinds of different people involved. In that. Yes, yes, it actually involves uh, most people. Actually, when they look at our business, they actually think that we actually go to China and then we OEM something. So we just mm. go there and they go like, yeah, you know what? I like this one. Let's just put my company logo on, right, right. and this is my you brand. Don't? No, we don't. Uh, we we prefer to go something called like a ODM route instead of the OEM. Uh, ODM actually is original design. So basically, you 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 can implement your own ideas, your own uh, technologies. Um, right. Of course, your lawyers would actually advise a whole ton of mm-hmm. advice, and not to mention contractor terms. Uh, you 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 can actually implement your own ideas, your own uh, proprietary uh, functions and features. Uh, may be trademarked or not trademarked up to you. Hmm. Um, and yeah, and then there's a lot of uh, a lot of things to actually do the process. Uh, for for instance, like a certain procurement, of course, uh, certain components is actually ready made uh, by your partners, and then you have to actually procure that. Um, then of course there's the quality assurance, yeah, quality control, mm. quality check. Then after that, then of course you have the design, stamping, uh, assembly. Right, right. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of things. Are you involved in everything? Oh uh, yeah, uh, it, it, it it's uh, something that I've done before. Uh, yeah. It's not something that's actually really new, uh, but of course not not as detailed as this because this is your own business, mm. uh, and then of course you have to actually pay a lot more attention. Uh, we reduce, uh, but but by by doing so, what happens is we manage to reduce the norm, which is around like twenty seven percent failure mm. rate. Uh, we manage to actually reduce it to eleven percent on or within seven to eleven percent uh, mm-hmm. based on the numbers. Uh, so so it's it, uh, it's it's it gives you some sort of assurance uh, because this is your money that you're yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not like invested uh, by other other people at the party or or that large corporation we we put in our own money so what happens is this one if you don't look after it nobody mm-hmm. else is going to look after it for you mm-hmm. um as for delegation uh we we prefer i mean we want people with experience but that's not possible so we are willing to actually teach so if you're willing to learn, by all means, we will actually teach you yeah, the whole entire yeah. process. And of course, you're willing to do. Uh, and and of course, this uh, the, this is the part that is actually very uh, difficult. It's not I don't want to delegate. It's whether you whether do I have anybody who wants to learn what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. and and it's quite difficult sometimes, uh, depending on what type of business you are. Uh, we're not a glamorous company. We're not a famous company. So people don't actually look at it and go like, yeah, I want to work for you right, because right, you're like right. Apple. They, yeah. they don't do that. Uh, and then, and then they go like, yeah, if they have to learn something. Right. Yeah. So, so here's, I'm going to put that to everybody. How, how do you, cause that's something that listeners I'm sure will be interested in. You're not Apple, you're not, you know, an Amazon or an Uber, you know, a huge growth company. How do you sell that to people to come and work with you? Cause you know, you're conscious of that fact that, you know, they're also interviewing with Apple down the road or, you know, do you see it as an advantage that you're not that or when you, whether it's interns or people that you employ, how do you position that yourself? Do you have a pitch? Do you sort of change it a little bit differently? Try and compete with these big, do you try and bullshit your way through it? What do you, how do you do it? I, I think I, for me, yeah. for my company, I, what happens is I actually like, um, I, I do the Singapore way, right. the, the, the traditional way. I like my swa. <laughs> it's called I like my swa. It's just basically, if you want to come, then by all means come. Make sure you come, then you basically want to actually do whatever, you know, you come and learn, you, right. you come and work, you come and do whatever you're supposed to do uh, up to a certain expectation. But if you don't want to do it, then don't come. Right. Yeah. So, so the Singaporean way. Yeah, pretty much. It goes like, yeah, don't don't show up if you don't want to actually do anything or you don't want to learn. It is what? No. You just blanket all of us. 
So yeah, I mean, it is it is like all of us. Yeah. So I mean, as the as the as the uh, as the boss, right? As the employer, mm. um, I, I I prefer to adopt this method because uh-huh. what happens if you if you show, if you if you show up to work, just make sure you work, you learn, you do mm. whatever, you cooperate with everyone. Uh, but if you don't show up, then don't come. Yeah. Um, I find it very interesting, actually. Um, you know, I, I have employed, you know, people in, in the past and the companies I was was very easy, right? Easy sell. I mean, mm. in a way, you get you get to interview people who have been actually filtered through, you know, a pool of candidates, and then if anything, you know, they really want to join big organizations. Um, now, you know, um, I haven't employed, you know, any army of people yet, right? But if, if anything, I'm spending most of my time is talking to people, trying to get them in, you know, join us and, and build a, big, a bigger team. And it's very interesting to see, actually, um, I, I don't think it's that difficult. You need to get lucky, like, because um, I don't want the same people I used to employ, I guess, mm-hmm. in the past, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want the people who want to work on a big name, just put down the resume and move on, right? Uh, I want people who kind of have a bit of, you know, an ambition to build something from scratch, get a bit, uh, their hands dirty. Yeah. Um, and you have to be fair with them, right? Give them also, you know, what, what will motivate them to, to join. Um, but yeah, I think I, I find it actually, uh, you know, interestingly easier than I thought it would be. I thought it would be, oh my God, by the time I'm leaving those big organizations, who's going to care working yeah, with me? Yeah. Why would they? Um, but actually, you know, um, I think, you know, it d- definitely takes a lot of time and I'm talking to a lot of people and, you know, there's some no-goes and some, but there's some people I'm so excited to work and and I can see like, you know, things will come to a, to a close, you know, with some of them really soon. So, um so if they hear us now, they know my intentions. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think uh, again, it's uh, there's no one size fits all. It's it's all about uh, mm-hmm. a bit of luck and a bit of you know uh, hustling, you know, on that space as well. How about yourself, Sabrina? I treat everything like a pitch, so right. <laughs> um, I try. Um, I kind of position ourselves as like um, the next big thing mm. and introduce like our culture. I'm a very big believer of um, culture, uh, team culture itself. So we even have like a team portal so that all our information that whatever we discuss, um, we actually put it in a portal and we, uh, we give all our employees a voice, a vote, um, so that they actually can define the direction that we are going mm. on next. So, and we even have like um, um, a a gym team culture thing that, you know, we go to the gym together, we exercise Mm. together, we just, you know, do every, like do things together. So we build that bond. Um, But it is really, really tough to get the right person. So I I find that a a major struggle Mm. because... Um, one thing is that we don't have that kind of funding like, you know, big corporates itself where you can actually pay uh, pay top dollar for the best person. Um, not saying that, you know, everyone, you know, uh, people that pay, are paid less are not the top people, but mm. um, when you are, you can't pay as much, um, when the people that you actually really want um, might not want you back. Yeah. So that has been the struggle, trying to get the right, uh, mm. right teammate. For, for, for the company, the organization itself. 
Um, so actually that is one of my most major yeah, struggles. Yeah, yeah. That's why I treat like, you know, like every uh, candidate as like I'm pitching to them mm. to, to let them understand the vision of the company. And, you know, uh, hopefully they'll be keen to actually join us and then grow with us. Mm. Yeah, so I think it's a real challenge, isn't it? Because we don't have the resources of big corporates and we're, we're you know, if somebody's super talented, they're going to be snapped up by Facebook or Google and you can't pay those kind of salaries, right? So how do you do that? I mean, what I've found as well is that, I mean, two things that work for me, I've struggled as well, I still struggle, when I, you know, building Asia Tech Podcasts as an example. You know, you're, you're constantly shuffling the pack, you know, looking for people. And um, I found two things work. One, one I said, never underestimate your own story as a recruitment tool, right? I think that's really powerful is that, you know, you're kind of selling your culture, for example. I think a key part of that is you, is that you'd be surprised by how many people join the company because of you, because they believe in you and they, they want to work with you. I think that's really important and never to sort of underplay that because that's what can't be repeated in a large corporation, right? Because, you know, working in a small startup, they work really closely, almost like mentoring, which I think is really important. And the, the second part as well, I mean, I think it's really important in, in selling that startup is, is telling people what your goal is. I mean, this could come out in the pitch as well. And I found it so, you know, I, I've been really surprised by how effective it is going onto LinkedIn, as an example, and saying to people, hey, everybody, this is my goal. And my goal is I want to build a studio in Singapore. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. And I'll get like five likes or 10 likes. But that last post that I put out there got like 200 likes, like 80 comments, you know, 10,000 views. And I'm like, pe people contacting me everywhere and saying, hey, Graham, do you, you know, you want somebody to come work for you? Like, I'm, I'm like amazed. So I think as a, as a recruitment tool, that is, I'm going to do more of that. I'm going to get onto LinkedIn and post videos and say, hey, look, this is what I want to do. Because I think it attracts the right people, right? Mm. It attracts people who buy into that goal. You know, and it certainly cuts out all the time wasters. Because, you know, if you say something like, you know, if you go to a networking event and people say, hey, what do you do? I went to a networking event the other day and it was a venture capitalist event and I met somebody and this, somebody said to me, okay, what do you do? I said, oh, I work for Asia Tech Podcast. And what do you do? Oh, I'm a venture capitalist, a VC. Oh, what do you do at the VC? And she said, I'm the vice president. And I thought that was such a missed opportunity like, that's not what she does. That's her job title. She could have said, you know, I want to, you know, create a massive space for IoT in Singapore and I want to change the world. And she could have done that, you know, because that's what I've sort of found is that that's been hugely powerful. If you go to a networking event, and this is recruitment as well, if these people talk to you and they say, what do you do? And you say, oh, you know, I've got a radio station. Instead of saying that, tell them what your big fuck off goal is. Like, yeah, I want to create this series of events in Singapore, which is going to put Singapore on the map, and I want to connect Singapore with Shanghai. People are either going to look at you and go, ah, maybe not, and walk off, which is great, because then you sort of save time, or they're going to go, wow, tell me more. What, what's going on? Like, how do I be part of that? So, yeah, it's just something I've discovered as a recruitment tool. I think that must be really powerful. We've got to practice a bit more of that, I think. I agree. I think that's really, really cool. And it, it actually does work because uh, I had a similar experience and um, 
like I was actually pitching. Okay, so I called out my friend, um, mm. which is a colleague of mine. Now she's our co-founder, so I'm kind of like oh, taking yeah. the story right now. So um, I, I I was sharing with her this new idea that I had, and I was telling her that you know if let's say you know um this materializes, uh, what do you think of it? You know, would it be something that you would use? Hmm. And then the next minute she says that you know um how much money do you need? So there and then awesome. I closed um uh, our first investment okay second investment as well as I I, I managed to convince her to actually uh, come on board with us. So um yeah that was great deal. Where, where, so where, where did that conversation happen? Was that an event? Uh no, it's um um actually it was through an event. Then mm. after that, you know, we kind of like um decided like have coffee and then you know I was just sharing with her the idea itself mm-hmm. and yeah then it one thing led to the other and it just kind of happened. So I think like, you know, just sharing the story itself mm, mm. does actually help a lot in terms of like recruitment and mm. even investment because you don't know who would actually be interested in your idea and actually invest invest in you. Yeah, it's great advice. Yeah. I've really enjoyed sitting around and sharing your stories and listening to your stories. It's been fascinating. And I think each and every one of you has got like a, a unique story and inspiring in your own right because you've all overcome challenges, right? And you've all been very focused on what you want to do. It hasn't been easy. It hasn't been a straight line. It's up and down, isn't it? That's how it is. Everybody's nodding their heads. They, they understand that's what it is to be an entrepreneur, right? But that's what you signed up for. But it's awesome that you, you came on to Asia Tech Podcast today and shared those with not just me, but the listeners as well. And hopefully... Um, Listeners listening to your stories as well. You know, if they want to reach out, we'll put all your details in the show notes. So that'd be cool. You connect with those listeners, anybody in any kind of level, you know, whether it's people who say, oh, no, I listen to that story and really like what you're doing. You know, how can we work together? Put all those details in the show notes. So, yeah, if you want to reach out to these guys, Kyriakos, Sabrina, and Aaron. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and, thank you uh, very much. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And you, we will, uh, you know, you will be around in Singapore and hopefully, uh, you know, your stories will have an impact on the next generation of entrepreneurs. Definitely. Fingers make, crossed. Fingers crossed. I think so. Making a difference as well. I mean, do you have a message for them out there? Just in signing off, do you sort of, you know, when you talk to young entrepreneurs, I'm sure you do on a regular basis any sort of advice it's very sweeping general advice isn't it I know people say stuff like never give up I never believe in that because you, you can never give up on a shit idea and that doesn't get you anywhere you know my, my advice to the, just kicking this off if you have any advice from your experience my advice is always always surround yourself with good people that's the most important part about being an entrepreneur you know find yourself you know Jim Rohn the author said you know you're the sum of the five people you hang around with on a daily basis Mm. And I've really sort of taken that on board. You know, I try force myself on a daily basis to hang around with really good people. So like this conversation today for me is part of that, right? Because mm. you're inspiring me by listening to you. I think, fuck, I've got up my game. I've got to do better. Well, I think my advice is, uh, you know, one thing I'm learning and I'm experiencing is very similar to your story with LinkedIn. Um, you had this, you know, goal. You wanted to mm. build a studio and you, you told people, right? Like mm. you didn't keep it to yourself or you didn't try to just sell to the right people. You've been very open, very exposed and say the word, you know, I don't know how many people saw that ad and said, oh, why, why should I even care? Why are you saying that? Right. 
But then you found also the people who help you set it up in a week. Because I think I saw you like <laughs> a week and you said, I want to do it. And I was like, here we go. That, yeah, <laughs> that was fast. Um, so to me, what I, what I realized very powerful, similar to that, is, and you know, I would advise everyone to do it. If you, if you want to do something, if you have an idea, if you want to pursue something, just tell people. Like, not just the people you feel safe telling. Yeah. Tell the world, yeah. like, this is what I want to do. That helps you actually even confirm with yourself if, if you're feeling comfortable with that. Because you have to feel comfortable with that because no one, you know, not everyone's going to like what you want to do. Not everyone is going to think it's right or wrong, you know. So, but as you're saying that, you live it, right? And then you attract mm. the right people, you know. So, I think that that kind of exposing your own ideas is very powerful and gets you going, you know, kind of breaks walls. Yeah. That's awesome. Exposing. It's not easy, is it? Yeah. I, I would share that exact advice, but also um, to highlight the fact that, you know, um, rejections are really normal mm. and you shouldn't take it too much to heart because every hundred people that you actually meet, 99 might say that you're crazy and one might actually really agree with you and all it takes is that one person. Mm. How, how do you deal with that? Because, I mean, it's easy to say that, you know, don't worry about rejection, but we're human beings, we get hurt. I, I think I'm numb to it. <laughs> wake up the next day and just go. How do you get numb to it though? Because um, I speak to, I, I, talk, right. I teach to anyone and right. everyone. Yeah. So some people get it, some people don't, some people think I'm crazy. It's like, you know, you're not Mark Zuckerberg. Why right. do you really think you're going to be the next Facebook? But um, the thing is that when Mark Zuckerberg actually decided to do Facebook, people also think he was crazy. So, you know, you don't know where, where you'll lead you. And, um, to me, it's like, okay, you know, you don't, we, we agree to disagree yeah. and then we leave it as that. And, you know, next person, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't and, waste your energies. And plus, I think it's also good to also remember that, um, don't be upset over that 99 people that reject you the first time mm. round. Cause for all you know, the next time you actually meet them and you have shown some uh, results, those 99 people might actually come back to you and say, Hey, yeah. you know, you were right. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. You know, there's something just out of interest. There's something called rejection therapy. I just remembered. Have you, have you seen this? It's like, there's, there's a, a really good book and I forget the name. Somebody have to ping me on Twitter is a guy in America. He was Chinese. He went to America and he did his hundred days of rejection. And what he did is every day do something deliberately to get rejected. So it started off like walking in, you know, he'd walk into, um, uh, a dog grooming salon, you know, where they, like, they shaved his dog and said, um, can you do me a haircut? And they're like, well, okay, where's your dog? He said, no, 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 my hair. <laughs> and they're like, get the hell out, right? But he just did all these like crazy things. He'd walk up to somebody's door and he'd knock on the door and said, um, this is in Texas, he'd say, uh, can I come and play soccer in your back garden? <laughs> and these guys are like, what the hell? And like, but... Eventually, some of these people say, all right, yeah, why not? Come and bring your ball around the back and you can have yeah. a kick around, right? But the point is, is like you can practice like controlled rejection and you get better at it. Like you were saying, you pitch all the time, so you're constantly doing it, you get better at it. But you can also do like, stuff like, you know, just talking to strangers, force yourself. It's like practice pitching, practice rejection. So it's possible. Yeah. Aaron, man. My advice would be think for yourself. Uh, everybody's different, so don't... Uh, always accept uh, and and be negative and say you know what uh, everybody tells me it's a lousy idea so it's going to be a lousy idea. It, it doesn't work that way. Uh, believe in yourself, think for yourself, and do it. 
So that that's my advice. But mm. if you if you if you you know any of this this uh, three statements uh, you're not really comfortable with, then don't do. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to listen to your parents, you want to listen to your relatives, you want to listen to your friends. And they tell you negative things. So who do you listen to? Who do you listen to now? I listen to myself mostly. I'm right. sorry. I'm a. Uh, I like to listen to myself. Apparently, that's what some people say. <laughs> but no, no, no. I mean, I, I like to. Um, I, I listen to everybody, but I have to actually think about it, what they are saying. Right. So you have to actually, uh, and then you have to weigh the consequences before you make a decision. So, mm. so, so think for yourself. You know. So basically, when you can ask advice, you can actually talk to them. Um, but think uh, whether you have to filter it out, whether you agree or you do disagree with it. So that's it. Yeah. Excellent. This is Asia Tech Podcast, and we have been with Aaron, Sabrina, and Kyriakos. Thank you very much for your time. It's been fascinating. And as I said, all the details in the show notes. If you want to reach out to these guys, I'm sure they'd be happy to listen to you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. you. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.